In today's Live Treasured podcast, part two of our series about putting yourself all out there for your purpose. In today's episode, we're going to talk about winning that battle over your flesh to find freedom to run with perseverance and strength in God's purpose for your life. Tribe. I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Live Treasured podcast, where we believe that intimacy with God is the key to inner healing. Hey, I hope you're having an amazing day. Today, we're going to be um, continuing on in our series about finding that courage to put yourself all out there for your purpose. And part of putting ourselves all out there for our purpose is dying to self and experiencing through death to self the real life and the freedom that God wants you to have. Now, last week we talked about in part one about how there is always going to be cost with our calling, that when we walk out our calling for the Lord, it's it's not a life of we're never going to lose anything or or anything like that. There is going to be cost with our calling. The Bible is very clear about that. We also learned that God carries us through that cost, um, but also that the enemy of our soul um, will use self-protection and self-preservation and self-reliance to complete, prevent dedication to God's dream for your life. You see, the enemy knows he cannot steal your salvation, but he sure can prevent complete surrender inside of your life so that you can truly live. And he understands that on the other side of dying to self is the real life that God has designed for you to live. And so he's going to throw up all these obstacles and make it very difficult for us to die to self. Now, last week, um, we talked about one of those difficulties, and I talked about how I think there's a lot of confusion over the concept of dying to self. And I talked about how uh, dying to self is not codependency. Dying to self is not living for others in a life of people-pleasing and performance and perfectionism. No way. Um, And that a lot of us have potentially lived our lives this way. As women, we are constantly nurturing others. We're constantly serving others. And... I know for me, man, I didn't I was done dying to self when God turned the light bulb on and showed me that codependency was wrong. You know, I I was done with that, right? I didn't want another person to have control over my life, and that's not what God is asking us to do. That kind of dying to self will leave you worn out and weary. It will not bring you into the full and abundant life that God has has died, uh, sent his son to die to give you. But that dying to self means that you're set apart to the, the Lord, that you're surrendered 
to him. And if you want to listen more about that episode, um, you can go back one episode to listen to the first episode in this in this series. But today, I want to talk to you about your flesh and how it loves to rule and how the enemy knows that too. And so the enemy, he knows the triggers inside of your past. He knows how to push those buttons on your flesh so that when the Spirit of the Lord reveals something to you and prompts you to do something, your flesh will reel its ugly head and it will want to rule. Now, I know about this because I have been a very self reliant person and my self-reliance will absolutely 2000% rear its ugly head. In fact, this weekend, God asked me to do something. I'm going to get into this later on in the podcast. And I was like, I know this is the Lord. And yet I fell. My self-reliance took over and I just said, no way, Jose, I'm not doing it. And you know something, Uh, We're also going to talk today about how this journey of sanctification with our flesh, it's a lifetime process. It is a lifetime process. And it is really in the struggle, that fight between your flesh and your spirit, that epic battle. You know, there is an epic battle going on for your heart, right? And while the enemy is pushing all those buttons on your flesh, Jesus laid his life down for you, and he gave you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a power that is greater than your flesh. But oftentimes, I know for many years that my efforts were on behavior modification, which led to further frustration that if I want to see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, that a part of dying to self means that I trust God completely and that I surrender to Him. So we're going to talk about this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And the first thing that I want to say is that the battle is real. The struggle is real. You know, all those Instagram posts, the struggle is real. It really is. And when you became a Christian, while you, uh, your spirit was completely sanctified, your flesh is on a lifelong journey to live that way, right? And when you and I go to glory, our flesh will go away and we will never have to deal with with the sin nature. But while you and I are here on earth, a part of the reality of our walking out, our inner healing, our God-given purpose, following the Lord to that abundant life, it is dying to that flesh, dying to self, so that you can live. And so we're going to be talking about that process today. And again, I think there's confusion over this process. And it can sort of get, um, uh, we, can, we, can re, um, we can place our efforts in the wrong direction. If you've been listening to Treasure Ministries podcast, you know that I talk about how much it's not about our grit for behavior modification. It is about living by grace. 
living by grace. So let's talk about this idea of self-reliance and self-rule and how our flesh wants to rule. And immediately, when I think about self-reliance, I think about Jacob inside of the Bible. Jacob was known for a lot of things. He was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was uh, the father of Joseph. Um, He was a great entrepreneur. God gave him the ability to build wealth. He was also, though, extremely hardworking and self-reliant. And Jacob got the job done no matter what it took. Um, And what I want you to see about Jacob inside as we talk about his life is that, you know, self-reliance... Uh, oftentimes has a good godly goal, but the complete wrong methodology. And oftentimes in our desire to walk out our spiritual inheritance, we will try to use the flesh to get her done, to get the job done. And that always, always ends up in frustration and it doesn't bear fruit. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, our flesh our flesh wants to rule. Uh, and, and for all of us, every person, that's a natural um, tendency of, of human nature is that we want to be in control. We want to be in control of our children. We want to be in control of this and that and our circumstances. And the illusion is if I'm in control, then I'm secure, right? And I can fix things inside of my life. That's a natural um, tendency of uh, of our flesh. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, though, is that some of us, like me, are born with a stronger tendency to control. In other words, we just come out of our mother's womb that way. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Now, when Jacob was born, he was born grasping his brother Esau's heel. Jacob um, was a twin, had a twin baby brother. And when they were born, he was grasping his brother's heel. Now, why am I telling you this? It's very significant. And the reason is that... When his mother, Rebecca, was pregnant with the two twin boys, Jacob and Esau, there was like commotion going on in her tummy. And so she asked God, what, what is going on with this birth, right? Why, are, why is all there this, this jostling going on inside of me, this wrestling, right? And so um, God prophesies in his word that the older, who is Esau, would end up serving uh, the younger, who was Jacob. But even when, and, and it does end up happening, but it happens through Jacob's efforts, no matter what the cost, um, and there were consequences in his life because of that. But my, I want to share, though, that when he, even when he was born, he was grabbing his brother's heel. In fact, the name Jacob means heel grabber. And so, you know, some of us, we just come out of the womb that way. Now, when Jacob was older, his mother came up with a plan to deceive their father, Isaac, into giving the blessing, the spoken blessing to him and not to Esau. 
it was automatically, back in those times, it was automatically given to the older sibling. And what's more, Isaac favored Esau, but but, uh, uh, Rebecca loved Jacob. And so Rebecca came up with this plan where they could deceive Isaac, whose sight was not um, as keen in his old age, into tricking him to think he was giving the blessing to Esau, but he was really giving it to Jacob. And so, and what I want you to see about this, because remember I said that God prophesied, right, that um, Jacob would be served by his brother Esau. And so it was God's intention the entire time for this to happen, but Jacob and his mother manipulated to get the job done. And because of that, there were consequences in Jacob's life. And a lot of times, you and I, we can go about something, and there can be a good, godly goal in mind. But when we are doing it through self-reliance, instead of following the Holy Spirit, It's completely the wrong methodology, and there will always be backfire from it. And one of the backfires that I see inside of my life is that eventually, you know what? It just doesn't work, that I have limited strength, and that trying to modify my behavior instead of allowing Jesus to work through me to to bring that fruit it just brings me complete frustration. And the question today is, where are you placing your efforts? Are you placing your efforts on behavior modification or inner transformation? And so the only way to rule over your flesh is not to fight your flesh. That's what we do when we're trying to do behavior modification. It's not to fight your flesh. And you know, self-help books, It's all about like helping your flesh, right? Helping you figure out all of this. Um, There's another way, and it's not self-help. It's sonship. And the Bible makes it so beautifully simple to do this. But the enemy makes it very difficult because the enemy knows our flesh And in addition to that, some of us, like moi, we love to be in control. We love to rule. We love to be in control. And so living this life, surrender to the Holy Spirit, it's almost like it's just very difficult and foreign for us to do because when we were born, we came out of the womb that way, like Jacob. But God, God has another way. And that's what I want to uh, to to dive into today. I'm going to be teaching you today about this fight of the flesh and where you can find the victory uh, to walk inside uh, of God's purpose and God's plan uh, for your life. And the two scriptures that I'm going to be teaching you from today um, come from 
Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, and then also Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. Now, that's a lot of scripture. I would encourage you to read those after the podcast. I'm not going to be going line upon line for these particular scriptures. I'm going to be pulling out the highlights to give you, to pull out God's principles, and you're going to see how Uh, Fighting your flesh will cause frustration, but flowing and following the Holy Spirit brings fruit, the fruit that you are looking for. And a part of that is dying to self. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in. And with Romans chapter 8, I'm going to be using the message translation. Okay, the very first thing that you and I need to understand in this fight of flesh versus the spirit is that there is no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans 8 verse 1 says this, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. And that continuous, low-lying black cloud is condemnation. Um, Romans 8.1 in the New Living Translation says, There's now therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the reason why that's important in your victory over the battle of your flesh is you need to understand how the enemy works. The enemy will come and he will tempt you. And he knows exactly your triggers, your flesh triggers, and he knows how to tempt you. And then after he tempts you, and let's say you fall into that temptation, then he will circle back around and he will accuse you. And he will condemn you. And he will tell you that you're a terrible Christian and that you have no business, right, going into the presence of God. You know, when you fall to your flesh and you're worn out because you've been fighting and you fall to your flesh, the enemy can make us feel so defeated. And here's what you need to know. It is in that time that you need God the most, right? Because if we're going to live grace-based and not grit-based, trying to do it all on our own and our all strength, we will need the presence of God. The power of God is found by spending time in his presence. And if I have failed in my flesh and then I fall to condemnation, I don't feel worthy enough to enter his presence. And the truth about the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus paid the price to take condemnation away. Now, that doesn't mean that you're never going to feel condemnation. You know, the enemy is really, really good at that. It means that in those moments, you have to take the word. You have to stand on truth. Never mind how you're feeling. Never mind what the enemy is telling you about how you're a failure. You need to get in God's presence, right? Because at the moment that we fail, that's the time when we need God the most. The very first thing that you have to understand in grace 
based, letting the spirit rule over the flesh is that there's no more condemnation, that you can come close to Jesus instead of trying to handle and do everything on your own. And then verse two says this, a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Hallelujah. So what we see there is, one, no more condemnation, right? Our salvation, our right standing with God, that's already taken care of. Then number two, There's now a new power that is in operation. Now, your flesh is powerful. For some of us, it's really powerful, right? Like we want to rule. We want to, you know, make our own choices, right? But now there's a new power within us. There's a new power within us. And it's much powerful than trying to follow the do's and the don'ts, right? inside of the law. Verse four goes on to say, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid. Behavior modification is a band-aid and it's a band-aid that doesn't last for long, right? The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of deep healing, instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but what we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Read that again. Instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embracing what the Spirit is doing in us. You know, there's the cycle, right? The enemy tempts our flesh. We fall to our flesh. We feel condemned um, and we feel convicted. And then we just say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do it this time. I'm not going to fall to that. And then what do we do? We fall. And that's behavior modification, And for a lot of Christians, it's not a lack of effort. It's effort placed in the wrong direction. It says this, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Now, how do we do this? It says this, starting in verse 5, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them living and breathing God. So it's trusting God's action. In other words, um, it goes on to say this, when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ. And so embracing the spirit is is listening to God and trusting the action that he's calling you to take and then taking the next step, taking the next step. How can we discern what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do? Well, um, that is one of the primary reasons why we created the Nourish Method 
because, you know, inner healing is about intimacy with God. It is not an intimate, it's not an instant fix, shake, rattle, and roll. It's every day waking up and approaching the word of God and coming to him in prayer and making room for the Holy Spirit to speak and understanding God's voice, trusting God. And then, and then you take those steps of faith. It's letting go of your self-reliance, how you're going to figure out all of this and your inner healing and analyzing everything and trying to control all the pawns on the table and all the players inside of your life. You let go of it. Isn't it exhausting? Let go of it. I mean, and I'm, I, I'm just here to tell you, no one needs to hear this more than me this week, um, but we let go of it. And instead, we just embrace what the Spirit is doing. Now, the Spirit often speaks in a whisper. So we've got to get quiet, and we've got to get alone with God, and we've got to approach the Word in such a way that we're making room for the Holy Spirit to speak. You know what? Bible knowledge will not save you. It will not. In fact, there's been a lot of people who are filled with Bible knowledge, and they have fallen. Leaders inside of the church recently that have fallen, and that should tell us that knowledge alone will not save you, that you must press into the Holy Spirit and understand where he's asking you to go. It's not, it's the question is, What next, God? What next? It goes on to say this in verse 15. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? I love that. And you know why I love that? Because I think that my tendency to try to control my future and everything around me, that I go ahead and decide, like, this is what God is going to ask me to do when I surrender, you know? And so I'm getting all in my future, and I'm deciding, okay, he's going to want me to do this, 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 and that. And then that creates a lot of fear. When instead, it's about just taking the next step. What's next, Papa? And when we get out in the future and when we think about dying to self, right? And oh, he's going to ask me to do this and ask me to do that. You know, we can start to be filled with dread. And like who, like why would we want to follow God versus having that childlike faith? What's next, Papa? What's next? What are we going to do next? And you know what is so interesting to me? Um, I, I love the study of the soul and the mind and psychology. And do you know that if you're told do not do something, do not, do not, do not, right? That, that that's what you'll think about all day and you'll want to do it anyway, right? And that that's what um, the Bible even says about the law. But in the Lord, when we're following the Spirit, when we're putting our efforts, which is where we need to direct them, into spending time in His presence and making room for the Holy Spirit to speak and listening to God, and then 
You've got to take those steps of faith, right? You've got to put your faith in action. Then, you know, it is not this overwhelming, how am I going to fix this? It is what do we need to do today? In Exodus chapter 40, it talked about that God's presence was like a cloud to the Israelites. And it said that whenever the cloud moved, that they, they got up and that they followed the cloud, but that when the cloud remained, that they stayed right there. It was all about following the cloud one day at a time, one step at a time. And there's a big difference between you trying to put your efforts into behavior modification versus spending time with Jesus. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no life transformation. There is no life transformation. Now, the Bible um, tells us this uh, in Galatians 3.14. It says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, what was the what was the uh, the blessing given to Abraham? It was a righteousness by faith, and because he had that righteousness by faith, right? And because we have that righteousness by faith, we we become the temples of God, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of Abraham is that our righteousness is by faith alone, and without this gift, we couldn't receive the Holy Spirit. And it's in the pressing into God's presence and in turning to him and in following him that that is how we rule over our flesh, right? Instead of our flesh ruling over us. Now, if this is true, why do we sometimes feel far away from God or we cannot Uh, sense his presence or direction, right? Like if the Holy Spirit is within me, then why, you know, do I not feel his presence sometimes? Well, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, in 3 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so the transformation happens through being with the Lord. But listen to verse 16. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord. So you and I, we have the Holy Spirit, but we must turn to the Lord, right? And and spend time with him and become saturated inside of his presence. And it's there that we receive our next steps to take. And as we embrace this next step by walking by faith, that is when we begin to experience new life. You know, sometimes when we walk through traumatic seasons in our life, and this certainly happened to me, we can be afraid to trust God completely. And all of a sudden, our compass shifts. And maybe it doesn't shift to um, 
another person, maybe it shifts to us and our self-reliance. And I need to really watch out and I need to do all this. And so we're consistently analyzing our situation and trying not to make a mistake so that we don't get hurt again. And you know, the reality is, you know that I'm a big believer in boundary setting and all of that. So I'm not saying that we throw wisdom out the window, but I'm saying that our primary purpose is to embrace the work of the Spirit and what He's doing by asking the Lord, Papa, right? As the verse said in the message translation, what's next? Now, that sounds so simple, right? I mean, it is, right? It's, it's following the Lord, discerning His voice, and following Him. But here's the problem. The problem is that epic battle for your flesh. And when God tells you a step to take, and it could be the most mundane step, but especially when it is part of the pathway of your God-given purpose, you can expect 2,000% for your flesh to rise up and fight against it because The enemy of your soul knows your triggers. He knows how to trigger your flesh. And he will tempt you to take the bait, the bait from your past, which says do it this way, don't trust God or whatever. And there, so there is that war. And I'm telling you that there is that battle that happens. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians uh, chapter 5 verse 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And you're like, well, that sounds simple enough, right? Like I'm I'm doing the Bible study thing. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. But then verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces can Consistently fight each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So it says, follow the Holy Spirit. But then it also says, get ready for a fight. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation of of Moses, right? Because, and again, it's bringing up that point again, that it's not about the behavior modification. It's about leaning into the Holy Spirit. But inside of those verses, it's saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your life and then watch out and be ready for a fight. The message translation says it this way. My counsel is this, live freely animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. And so there's these two, and then, but then it talks about the two ways of life, right? That that are the two, um, the, the flesh and the spirit, how they will fight with one another. And the enemy knows your flesh and he knows what buttons to push. And especially when God is asking you to take a step that, has eternal ramifications, right? Your flesh is going to 
rear its ugly head. I want to tell you that this past weekend, um, I was going to be around somebody that I love very much. Um, I'm not sure where this person stands in inside of her salvation. Um, I was going to be around her, and it's a very difficult relationship because there's been a lot of hurt inside of the past, and in particular, um, over this past year, there's been a lot. And I found myself saying, you know what? I'm done, God. I am D-O-N-E, done, 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 until I went to church. (laughs) And when I went to church, do you know that the sermon was on Jonah? I'm not kidding you. And how God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites, who the Ninevites uh, hurt people, right? The um, of Assyria, they they hurt people. I mean, you know, they were teaching us. I mean, it was it was like pretty bad what they did. And Jonah was like, "No way, I'm not going back to them." And he you know, was very stubborn with God. You can read the story about Jonah. I'm not going into it. What I want you to see is that inside of that church service, that God used that to speak to me and say, oh no, oh no, you're not done. You've only just begun, Eileen. (laughs) And so I um, come back to the situation where I'm going to be around this person and immediately, and I'm, I, and I just, oh, I just hate sharing this with you, but I know that, you know, when we share our stories, it just, it just helps us so much, right? But, and I want you to see the fight that goes on. When I came back, something happened that triggered my flesh again. And I was like, God, I'm done. I'm done. I do not want to get hurt anymore. I do not want to have mercy on this person. Why should I? You know everything that's happened. And you know what? I got really angry. And in that particular moment, my flesh won. Because instead of pouring into that person, I went for a walk. Now, I'm a big believer in boundaries. You know that. And that God can ask us to set boundaries. But if he, with people that are destructive in our life, but if he is calling us to minister to somebody, then he's calling us to do it. And that's a primary example of the Holy Spirit prompting me to do something. Me agreeing with it, like, yes, Papa, okay, let's go. And then my flesh rising up to self-protect, and I'm saying, no way. And do you know what followed that? Not love, not peace, not joy. In fact, my heart was broken. It was broken in a million pieces because I knew that the Lord had prompted me. And I wasn't obedient. My flesh had reared its ugly head. And and Satan knew all the lies to throw my way. You know, about 
the past hurt and about everything that happened and about how, you know what, this person doesn't deserve my grace, right? And all the while, do I deserve God's grace? No. And the most important thing about this situation is that it was somebody that God was calling me to minister to. And you know, I'm not really sure where this person stands from an eternal perspective. I truly do not know. The Bible says that none of us really know. So I'm not going to judge. But I am concerned. And this is somebody that I love. And you know, the oftentimes it's the very people that we need to show grace to that have hurt us. It is in the showing of grace that they see God's love. And I blew it. And you know what happened? I blew it and I felt awful. I didn't feel like I could get in God's presence. All of those sorts of things. But you know what? There's a better way. And it's through grace. And as I began to look in this passage, I began to see that, you know what? Paul wrestled with his flesh, right? And his rescue came not from throwing, like trying to fix his flesh and all that sort of stuff like that. It came from reaching out to Jesus. And here's the thing. It is in the struggle between your flesh and your spirit that progress is made. You know when you're working out and it becomes really hard and the workout instructor says, keep going and press through because it's inside of you choosing to, to walk through this painful thing that your muscle's going to grow? That's how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and all of that, that's what it means to embrace the Spirit. And when we do that, We don't give in to the flesh and we walk with that confidence because here is also the thing that I've seen, okay? Here's here's a positive story. So the Lord asked me this summer to, to let go of something completely and I did not want to and it was, but I knew that the Lord had prompted me to do it. And that's the key. Like with all of this, it can't be trying to do everything right and not do anything wrong. It has to be getting in the presence and receiving those promptings and following them. But I embraced it and I did it. And you know what? It was like as soon as I made those choices to do it, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when the flesh and the spirit battle, And you know that you've got a word from God. It is that choice that is at first so devastatingly painful because you you have to ignore your feelings. You just have to set your face. I'm determined to do God's will, right? And and you see that, you know, the the uh, efforts of self reliance. We flip that into determination of following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And once you make that choice to follow God, 
It's like the rush of the Holy Spirit is there and you begin to see the fruit. And when that happens, your flesh dies a little more and a little more and a little more and a little more. And the next time that you're presented with an opportunity, because here's the thing with Jonah, God gave him another chance and another chance and another chance. And God got Jonah where he needed to be. And God will get you where you need to be. But if we get into this cycle of behavior modification, then when we fall, then we will feel like a failure. We will feel condemned. And then we stay away from God. We double down on our efforts, right? And it it doesn't work. We're trying to fix our flesh. And, it's, and when you try to do that, you will always experience frustration. But when you press into the Holy Spirit, and when you follow him, that is when you will see the fruit. You know, it is in God's presence that we receive the next steps. But it is in surrender that we take those next steps. And it is in the taking of the next steps, trusting God, embracing the Holy Spirit, that his power will come and will rule over our flesh. And it all happens when you and I make the courageous choice to say, I'm laying down my free will and surrendering it to the Lord's. Hey, thanks so much for listening in today. I'm so glad that you were here. Next week, we'll be continuing on in our journey where we'll be talking about the other problem with dying to self, and that is where our devotions lie. Thanks so much for listening in, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.